Welcome, welcome to Lawyers Are Assholes, a podcast which holds lawyers, prosecutors, and judges accountable for being idiots, as we like to say here, assholes. First, a shout out to my friend and client, American Idol star Murphy, for allowing us to use his great music. Today's guest is Connie Curry, jury number eight in the Matt Moore case we discussed in season two, episodes two and three. I found Connie when I ordered Matt's book and saw the first review posted on Amazon. I'm going to read it to you, because this will summarize a little bit about where we're going with her as the guest today. Uh, verified purchase. I was juror number eight on the case. This book by Matt Moore gives him voice, truth, and finally justice at the extreme cost mentally, financially, and was a living hell to prove his innocence. I read this book nonstop to the end and felt like I was back in the courtroom. Buy the book. Beware how imperfect our judicial system is and can ruin lives. This unjust is real and happens. Be aware how greed, tunnel vision, and slap-happy cops and investigators along with prosecutors get caught up in wanting to win just to close a case. But before we talk to Connie, let's discuss the asshole of the week, or this week, actually 17 assholes. And uh, how can that happen? Business Insider just published a summary of the 17 lawyers who have represented former President Trump who've been sanctioned, with a few of them, like Rudy Giuliani, facing actual disbarment. Um, Some of these judges have been absolutely brutal in their opinions going after these lawyers that have filed frivolous cases. Um, Here's, I'm going to read you uh, one paragraph of a sanction order against uh, Alina Haba, who actually still represents uh, former President Trump, by the way. Judge says rule of law is undermined by the toxic combination of political fundraising with legal fees paid by political action committees, reckless and factually untrue statements by lawyers at rallies and in the media, and efforts to advance a political narrative through lawsuits without factual basis or any cognizable legal theory. I mean, these judges are hammering these lawyers, which I greatly approve of. Um, We should absolutely discipline uh, these lawyers that file uh, frivolous cases. But uh, I'm telling you, uh, power can corrupt uh, folks. Uh, they corrupt lawyers. You want to get close to, to power by representing a president or a former president. Uh, but unfortunately, many of these lawyers were just simply incompetent. And as we publicly all know, um, he appears to be a difficult client. Um, but uh, no lawyer wants uh, lawyers to be sanctioned or punished more than me for filing frivolous bullshit. And as we know from these decisions, um, there's a lot of bullshit being disseminated. So credit to these judges for calling bullshit. 17 Trump lawyers not worthy of stating their names on this podcast are the assholes of the week. Welcome, Connie, to Lawyers Are Assholes. I really appreciate you coming here. This is a this is any lawyer's dream to talk to an actual juror in a, in a case, especially one is high profile as, as Matt's. And um, uh, I can't thank you enough for coming here because we're also going to talk about the process, the jury process, and then we're going to get into your experience with Matt's case and 
why you why you are here and and discuss uh, the pitfalls of um, of what happened to to Matt. So so let's talk about initially. Um, had you ever been a juror before? Absolutely not. Never. And I used to think I'd like to be a juror someday. I thought it might be interesting. And then I was on call. You'd call in for a couple months and cases were delayed or canceled or settled. And the very last one that I called in on, I was asked to report for jury duty. Okay. And that's where it all began. Okay. Well, tell the audience a little bit about how that process that, uh, what happens when you get to the, to the courthouse? Well, when you get there, numerous, lots of pe- potential jurors are in the courtroom. And uh, there were so many, and I don't know the number, but I thought certainly I probably wouldn't be chosen as a juror. And um, they talked to numerous male and female, variety of ages and race, and um, prosecuting prosecutor and the Matt's attorney, and they looked over. I'm sure that we had to fill out the questionnaire, so that it's obvious they looked over the questionnaires well, about us. Now, did you did you initially know when you were walking into this particular courtroom that this was a murder case? Oh, no, absolutely not. Okay. No, had no, no clue. warning. No, no, no. You know, I actually thought, oh, it's probably a DUI or something minor like that. Never mm-hmm. dreamed it would be something mm-hmm. so huge. Now, normally the the judge will welcome you and give you an overview. Is that what happened here? Did you learn about the the, the case from the judge himself? Yes. Okay. We were after after we were chosen. Um, then they briefly, you know, that took a whole day. Mm-hmm. But did you? But you had to have some indication of how serious it was by the questions that they were asking you, right? I mean, this this was more than, you know, this was a aggravated murder case. So this was more than. Uh, you know, when the civil dispute, did they tell you? Did they tell you right away it was a criminal case, and and that they identify Matt as the defendant? Um, I believe that's what happened. You know, this has been back in this has been several months back, and I don't remember the entire step by step. All I remember is um, there were numerous people excused, and I kept sitting there, and I was. Surprised, I was chosen. Why do you think you? Why do you think you were chosen? Um, you know, I don't know. Other than I'd worked in EMS, I'd retired from EMS, and it's uh, been out on numerous squad runs in a variation of from domestics to suicides to overdoses to murders. Um, so you know, maybe they found that I wasn't would be interesting and I would have a strong stomach for some of the images we were going to view. I don't know why mm-hmm. I was chosen, but mm-hmm. I did feel, you know, I felt like once I was chosen, you know, you you do your job and you do it right. And to me, it was a job. And I kind of mm-hmm. see things. I remember having a coworker that I love dearly and he used to say, Connie, why can't you just take your paycheck and go home? Because I believe that there's a right and there's a wrong. And I used to stand up for things that I believed were wrong that I wanted made right, even at work. So I was um, looking forward to the case but and listening. I took lots of notes, as we all did. 
And um, well, when did at what point did you realize the the seriousness, the 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 weight? I mean, you you're going to quit this guy. You're going to put him in prison, most likely forever. At what point did you realize was that in in, in the opening arguments, uh, the opening statements rather, or uh, at what point did you realize, hey, this is this is pretty serious? Oh, right off. I mean, it's a murder trial. It's obviously serious, you know. And that's why I took notes and listened intently. And the you know the prosecutors called lots of witnesses and. You know, I did. Mm-hmm. I felt like we all did a good job. And what uh, what what was your first impression of uh, of Matt? Now, you know, there's time has passed, and and you know, you're obviously, you, I mean, you're in here to to talk about and support the acquittal. But what was your first impression of Matt when he walked in there and sat there and was looked at and being accused of being a murderer? What was your initial reaction? Um, well. He looked like a broken soul, and, you know, he sat there kind of with his head down. And obviously he was a nervous wreck. You know, his life was on the line. Um, I felt sorry for Emily's family, too. Um, It's a shame what happened to Emily, and it was just a sad situation. But I was surprised. I haven't—actually, I was going to Google how many murders are in Westerville, Ohio, and I believe that number's probably very low. Um, so I was surprised it happened in Westerville, right on Delaware County line, um, and which brought me to as the case, you know, uh, right off, the prosecutor started—we started viewing the cam from the— cops that went the police officers that went to Emily and Matt's condo and mm-hmm. I want to try to take this in a little chronological order because that was an important part of your determination I know at the end but with the opening statements did you have an opinion after the prosecution gave their opening statement and the defense gave their opening statement what was your viewpoint after those opening statements were you still like this is wide open or did you get did you have any sense from the lawyer's opening statements as to where this case was going to go? Oh, I had no clue. But when I saw the cam footage from the police officer that was initially called to the house, that right away made me think Matt Moore was just trying to help. Now, this was was one of the first witnesses, and they, they presented his body cam and this is where Matt called the police and Matt said my wife is is missing and this was an important part I know we'll get to later in your deliberations but it certainly uh, I don't want to put words in your mouth but you were under the impression that at that point he was trying to help find his wife oh absolutely not cover up for a oh, death no he was volunteering and suggesting, you know, you you know, places to look, things to do. Uh, he truly wanted to help. Right. That's how I saw it. Right. And then uh, one of the initial witnesses was the investigating police officers that came from Westerville. And then the detective that did the actual work, the investigation came. What was your impression of his testimony? You don't have to identify him, but what was your what was your evaluation of his credibility? 
I didn't find many of the prosecutors, the witnesses, as very credible, any of them. Um, and I do believe, because going back to my thoughts about Westerville and murders, I, I doubt they have a lot of experience with murder cases. That's probably true. So I think they may be, no disrespect, but maybe there's a lot of um, inexperience in, um, you know, the trying to figure out what really happened. One of the things that Matt pointed out in his book was that, that they're waiting at the defense table for the prosecution to present the big bang, the big evidence that's going to convict him because they couldn't understand the purpose and why some of these witnesses, um, uh, one, Matt had, had uh, conveyed a friend of Emily's that hadn't talked to her in years was presented as a witness. That's right. That's right. Um, oh, Did you as so, jurors find that odd that it wasn't what, contemporary or it was, you know, why were they putting on there because they had no other evidence? They had no, anybody other would step forward? Well, first off, I want you to understand this. When, when jurors or if people that don't know, cause I learned this when jurors are on a case that goes that many days, we go in for breaks, we go to lunch break. We're not allowed to discuss any of that. We're not allowed to discuss our thoughts, which way we're swaying. So none of that was discussed by any of us to each other. So um, what I found personally interesting is so many people were called on the prosecuting side. And I, I didn't know this. Has it? Oh, I don't know. Maybe you know this. Do all um, people that go up there that are supposed to be have a special specialized field paid? Because there was a lot of money paid out to these different ones that yes. went up for the prosecutor with all their scientific studies, which, by the way, had nothing, no DNA. They had nothing nothing on Matt Moore. Right, right. I want to go back to that. You made a, you made a great point that, that I don't think the general populace understand, but when you are in that jury room at, at, at night or during breaks or afterwards, as you said, when I ask you your opinion of, of some of these witnesses, you couldn't discuss them with the other jurors, which had to be a little frustrating because you wanted to ex express your opinion and, and you're not allowed to, right. to discuss those people. But in your own mind, you're asking yourself, why are they here? What probative value, which is the legal term that we all use, what what did they bring to the to the table? And you couldn't understand it. As did no. Matt, because Matt said in his book, he goes, you know, I'm talking to my my defense lawyer, and it's like, you know, where's 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 the beef? I mean, where's where's the where's the evidence? And then he also discusses, which I want to let the audience know that both sides had experts on on suicide and the cause of death and and how the bones were broken but you all were not impressed with the state's witnesses uh, when it came to showing the autopsy photos the pictures at the scene and how they determined the cause of death so and i and this is this goes uh, folks to any case that you know, often these cases are are won and lost by not the credibility, no so so much of the defendant, but 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 the credibility of the of the witnesses. Again, paid witnesses, so that 
the prosecution witness is not doing this for free. I mean, they're being paid for an opinion. And obviously, if they're being paid for that opinion, they're going to take the position that Matt killed his wife. So what was your impression of the overall impression, Connie, of the of the experts that testified for the state? Well, again, they went up there. They all had, in my in my opinion, they had an opinion because what's really sad about this whole case is right after Emily came up missing, Matt even suggested to the detective to to he point he asked them to why don't you go down in that wooded area, which as it turns out is where she was found months later in a skeletal situation. Mm-hmm. So it's it's just sad that that detective didn't go into the woods. We did. This little old lady right here went down there along with all the other jurors to look at the second day after the after we were chosen, we went down into the woods and looked at the tree and where Emily's body was found. And it's a crying shame that that detective did not go down into the woods. They would have found her. Mm-hmm. They'd have had a body and not a skeleton. And maybe the professionals that did the autopsy would have thoroughly been able to to figure right. it out so and do question, it, figure it out right. So your question was when Matt made the overture, why didn't they do it? I mean, you couldn't understand. I'm yeah, and then, you know, someone may question or they have, you know, social media can be brutal these people that still believe that a, a murderer is walking free. Um, why didn't Matt go down in that woods? Well, let me tell you, if I had a child that committed suicide by hanging not long prior to Emily going missing, I mm. wouldn't want to find my loved one hanging again, a different one, you know, his right. wife. Right. So he suggested they go down there. He knew her routine. He knew where she walked. Why didn't that detective go down there? Right, right. Well, I and it goes back to and when folks that have already heard Matt's rendition, of what happened is they didn't go down there because they were one hundred percent focused on him in the beginning. Which, which you'll hear and you've heard in my commentary. Why didn't they? Why didn't they look uh, not only at another suspect, but because he was so forthcoming about? the information um they were just they were just dead set excuse the the analogy i mean on on naming him uh as as the murder tunnel vision and they were set they believed he did it and you know i i like those are my county tax tax dollars too that were spent on that trial how much money was spent on that prosecutor's side with all those witnesses and none of them, there was not one shred of evidence against Matt. How much money, how many of, much of our tax dollars was spent on that? Isn't that tax dollars that well, pay for is. those well, people that is. come in? And it, it certainly is. And, you know, we haven't done a public records request. We could find out how much those those experts uh, cost. But, but, you know, I mean, it could be 10000 It could be 50000 I mean, um, uh, those are sometimes very, very expensive experts to, to come in. But then again, if you're, if you're the defense, you're going to spend as much money as you can. I mean, you obviously there's no limit on the amount of money you would spend for the right expert or the credible expert to get you acquitted of murder. So, so Connie, do you, I, I'm not asking you for a number, but 
uh, this prosecution, uh, there were a lot of witnesses and they were over a period of a few days, right? Um, oh, yeah. Right. And each one would be up there for a long, long time. Some of them would last all day and go into the next day with one particular witness. There were numerous for the prosecution, numerous. Many police officers and then yep. – uh, which. Which is a which is a prosecutor's tactic of, of putting as many uniform people up there uh, as as they can, and then um, and then you had you had two medical experts, I believe. You had the the person who did the autopsy, and then you had an expert talking about the other bones broken, and then I would imagine that the uh, the photos were pretty gruesome, according to. Matt, I mean, this is a body well, that was think found about four months later. Matt too, how, and her family. Sitting through that and seeing all that, um, that would be difficult for all of them. And I'm not, I went, I went, when I became a juror, I wasn't on anyone's side here. So I feel sadness for Emily. I feel sadness that the family had to go through so many months before having closure and putting her to rest, including Matt. I feel so, you know, the both Matt and Emily's side of the family had been through a lot of problems and sadness in their life. So it was very difficult, but I just kept seeing one witness after another coming up for the prosecution, and a lot of it just seemed very repetitive, but again, no DNA, which brings me to, um, I read a book years ago, I still have it, and I be- it was like 15 men that served time in prison numerous years, 20 to 30 years of their life because they were wrongly accused of various things. And um, because of DNA, they were finally freed. Did the prosecution try to explain away the fact that there was no physical evidence tying Matt? there, There wasn't. There was no, there was. Which is critical in the murder, in a murder case, you would, you could be a layperson and make the conclusion that if he went and hung her up in a tree and killed her, or as they said, killed her before and made it look like, strangled her and made it look like a suicide, there would be some DNA. Absolutely. There was right? nothing. There was not a shred of hair. There was not any, nothing, nothing. You know, when we went to deliberation, we all instantly said that there was nothing why did right. this even go to trial okay now don't spoil our plot line we're going to get there connie we're, we're going to let's go to the let's go to the defense let's go to the uh the defense expert you you uh so matt had an expert that said she hung herself unfortunately in your mind that expert was more credible than the state's witnesses oh uh, absolutely ex- and that expert um spent a lot of time um reenacting the whole scene down there with the exact weight. And, of course, maybe the prosecution, obviously, they did a lot of studies, too, but his was so much more believable. And Diane, Matt's attorney, um, she did a wonderful job in uh, defending Matt and kind of proven that they weren't credible on the prosecution side. Mm-hmm. But now, now I don't know the answer to this. I mean, uh, in fairness, at this point when you're evaluating the experts, you were really, because of the body cam and, and looking at Matt's demeanor and knowing, 
would it be fair to say at this point that you were you would really need something from you were leaning towards this point it, it's hard for us to believe that he killed her at this point right oh it, absolutely i just from so after the prosecution's case even after the prosecution's case before they presented any did you have an opinion of where what direction you were going to go oh oh i my mind was always open right because i wanted to be, right, but you're but you're. It human. was a big job. You want to do right by right, but you are human. And, yes, and, and, and I had already, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking, when are we going to see something here that right. proves Matt Moore did this? Right, and it never came. So my my point is that the, the direction that you were thinking in your head. So once you got the solid, credible opinion from the uh, medical expert that Matt's team had hired, that was pretty much it for you. At yeah. That point. And Diane, you know, she didn't have to call any more witnesses. Right. His his she pro- she went to battle for Matt and did a fabulous job and all those people that were called for the prosecuting side to pro- to try to prosecute him right. there was nothing now, there. Now, there are two things in the so so they did the closing arguments. Who was more effective in their closing arguments, the prosecution or the defense? Oh. In your mind. Absolutely, Matt's attorney, okay. Diane. Okay. Now, Matt had indicated uh, that his defense team had asked for a uh, an acquittal uh, before it went to the jury. Do you remember that? Do you remember that discussion where they tried to get the judge to uh, unilaterally uh, not give it to the jury on a directed verdict to say that— You mean during the trial? When yeah, they, at the end of the trial, right? We were— we didn't know. You were in the court. You were not. We in were court. not Jury's in the courtroom. Okay. We didn't know. We didn't even that, know what was going on. We didn't even okay. know there was controversy. Okay, normally that would be the case. But so, so you you didn't hear, which makes it more no. relevant to uh, what we're about to talk about. So when you went, when you were walking into the jury room, tell us how that went, because everybody is fascinated how juries work and think. So where to go at that point? When we walked into the. After everything when, was done, to you're you're deliberating. You're getting. You oh, got when the final we go. Oh, when we when we go in to deliberate, in my mind, even the night before at home, I'm thinking to myself. And re- remember, I'm not allowed to discuss this with family, with my husband. And it wasn't like I went to bed that night thinking, "Did he do it? Did he do it?" I knew in my heart that he didn't do it, and there was nothing there that could convince me he did. Mm-hmm. But I got there the next morning because I had no clue how the other jurors were thinking, hoping that they were all thinking like I was because I didn't want to see this innocent man. He'd spent enough time in prison. He'd spent enough money. Um, I can't imagine going through what he went through. So I'm hoping he was incarcerated for 15 months and and bankrupt. That's Uh, right. And what a shame because of a. An inheritance. Thank God he had the money. How many people don't have any money that don't have an inheritance, that don't have proper um, a proper attorney to represent them? Right. What, what what could have happened? But anyway, I went into the when we went to deliberation. I was hoping we weren't going to be in there for hours and hours and arguing and debating. And honestly, we could have came up with our verdict. In 10 minutes, but we were not going to be sloppy. Mm-hmm. And so we all s- sat there. Did you take an initial vote, Connie? Did, did, 
or did you just talk among yourselves? Did you take an initial uh, guilty or not guilty vote? Absolutely. And, and from the un- beginning, we and just, it was unanimous in the first absolutely. 10 minutes. Absolutely. And there was not one hesitation. Every juror said not guilty. So we could have rang that bell, you know, right. the to let them know. But we thought, no, let's go over all this again. Let's be right. sure. So we went over a lot of the timeline, um, um, the evidence. And so what, with the three hours? Yeah, that's still pretty. Remember. That's still pretty fast. <laughs> well, I can't remember if it was. Th- I, you I think know, it was less than three excuse hours. Excuse me, but it was less book. than three yeah. hours. Um, we let them know, but yeah. there was no, there was not one juror that was swaying. Mm-hmm. You know. So what? So what did you go over? I mean, if you t- you just you just had the exhibits, and the exhibits went in with you and their photos, and you just you just went through on them and said, you know, and just discussed it as, you know, nothing. One of the jurors went up to the cho- to the board, and we started. Right, she started. We were discussing the timelines and the different things that um, that possibly was contra. You know, like um, because Matt had gone and laid in Joey's bed during the night. The night Emily disappeared, right, um, and there was no phone activity. Right. Well, he was asleep, probably. You know. Right, but he explained. I mean, they they he talked about all this. Yes, he we told did. the cop. He told the cops that he told the cops the timeline when they were trying. Well, to... the prosecutors even wanted to when Emily or when Emily was during COVID and when she went to work, she started working from home. Prior to working from home, Matt and Emily would text each other a lot. Mm-hmm. Then when she was working from home, the texting stopped. They tried to make that look bad. Well, yeah, you're but, in the same house all day right, together. Right, right. But they tried to make a point. The they tried to make a point. That they didn't text as much during COVID when they're in the same house right. together. And that there was marital trouble. Yeah. Which was, we found, yeah. I found just. Uh, well, they, they were trying to just to create that doubt, which they always do. But so. Oftentimes, uh, and let me ask you this, Connie, and you go to the extent that you feel comfortable in talking about this because I don't want to make you feel uncomfortable, put you on the spot on, on any. I'm just grateful that you're here talking about this. But usually, in most cases, the judge uh, does come back and talk to the jurors. Can you tell us about that experience? I mean, the judge came back and. Well, when he walked into the jury break room, um, as did Diane and the prosecuting team. You know, they met us face-to-face instead of just sitting in a jury box. Um, he was smiling. You think he was, I mean, was your, was your body language reading in this thing that the judge was happy about? Absolutely. This? Absolutely. He, he thought. I believe that the judge thought the whole thing should have never gone to trial, and I believe he knew that Matt Moore was not guilty. In fact, he said something. Do you remember uh, what he said to Matt when he released him at the end, when he came back and said, you know, when they read the verdict and said not guilty? Do you remember what the judge said about Matt deserves justice too? Yes, he do- do- He did. He said something to Matt about deserving justice, as Emily did too. Yeah. He mentioned Emily because, you know, the whole thing, it was just a sad situation for everybody. And, um, yes, he was very kind 
to Matt. Did the prosecutors uh, say anything to you or express disappointment? Obviously, uh, the defense attorney was elated. Um, Prosecuting did, team didn't say much. Yeah. Did, did, do you think they were disappointed? Or? Well, I'm sure they were disappointed. All attorneys want to win their cases, so I'm sure they were disappointed. Um, Diane was elated, and I'm she knows that we did our the jurors did a good job. You know, we were all pretty smart and very attentive through the whole trial, and the judge brought that up how attentive, and he thanked us all and said we were a very attentive jury and that he appreciated our time and he appreciated appreciated us taking notes and you know we were allowed to ask questions too after each witness uh retired from their testimony we could write questions down on paper now obviously and they went up prosecutor in the Right, and defense, talked to the and talked to about which question, uh, right. questions were appropriate and did ask questions right. um would read our questions if they felt they were important. Yeah. So when you came, uh, you know, I've never been on the side of a jury, but I mean, uh, as an attorney, your ass is never so puckered as when the jury comes back. Cause you never, I mean, I'm telling you, you, I mean, I did a long time. You never know. And especially in a case with, with this much at stake, what were your emotions when you walked out? And do you think Matt could read, could, could anybody read, when you walk out to give that jury that verdict, what was your emotions? Do you think anybody could could read what what was going to happen? Were you smiling? I mean, were you, you mean after the verdict was read to Matt? No, no, no. When you walked out to and gave the verdict to the judge, when you walked out, we just waited for it to be read, and I right. remember my eyes being glued on Matt. I scanned the courtroom. Um, Right. And I remember looking at Matt, and I'll never forget him touching his heart like, thank you, God, thank you, thank you, I'm getting my life back. Kind of, I just, he was so happy, and I saw him thank, I read his lips, he thanked Diane, and he looked up at all of us, and I remember his hand going up, which to me meant thank you. Uh-huh. And I remember just out of reflex throwing my hand up because it was an emotional trial. Right. <clears throat> you know, it wasn't something pleasant to sit through for right. eight days. And I just remember throwing my hand up like, you're welcome. Oh. And um, that was the end of it. But um, and, you, and you walked out of there feeling, I mean, what were your emotions? I felt so like you- we did a great job. And I'm so thankful that all the jurors saw it the same way. There was no controversy in the deliberation and that we all right away knew that he didn't do it and i was just glad it was over and i just wished the best for matt that and hoped he could get on with his life finally after all put being put through hell right and you and i talked about that a little bit offline i mean one of the first things you said to me was the frustration in the amount of money spent for this prosecution eight days the experts the amount of money that went into this police investigation when in in hindsight, it, which is easy in hindsight, that should have never been prosecuted. I mean, is that your opinion today? That, that Oh, that's my opinion. It should have never gone to trial. But, you know, I'm not an attorney. I've never been a juror. This was a big eye-opener to me. I know I've seen and heard enough about the court system. 
you know, how many children are out there with guardian of litems that are representing these innocent little children and, and stuff goes on and on and on forever. I mean, how, Matt was in jail for uh, over a year. Well, it's a, it's a, it's an archaic a system that, and that's that Connie, that's, that's why you're here. That's why we do this podcast is to, is to bring attention to this. We really like to bring attention to in, you you can never uh, you know there should be some accountability uh, for That's these right. for these prosecutors that put this man through this. Now That's I'm not it, it, listen. This is not as corrupt as I'm not sure it was corrupt as even. That's a strong term, but I'm not sure that uh, normal lawyers are uh, certainly you in this position or producer Dan or anybody based on the evidence and what they had would have taken this case forward. But you know the result. I have uh, had uh, a lot of conversations with Matt since we recorded his podcast. I, I believe in the guy. I think he's a good guy that got a lot of life taken out of him mm-hmm. in this process. And a lot of people that was on the prosecuting side that was, were witnesses, they liked Matt. They loved him. They mm-hmm. hung out with Matt and Emily. And then all of a sudden, their views, opinions changed, and they're on the prosecuting side. Yeah, well, including her sister. Yeah, you know? yeah, that happened. That's a whole different dynamic. I mean, the relationship they had versus what happened later. But when you get enough uh, police detectives in your ear spewing half truths, that's what that's what happens. But mm-hmm. anyway, you've done a spectacular. I know you were a little nervous coming in here, but you you well, laid this out. This was. You've done a spectacular job in explaining you know, what happened. What I'd like to see this—it's over. We jurors made our decision. Let the guy go live his life. Yeah. You know the social media is horrible. I think it's proven that he's not guilty. We proved it. So yeah. I just wish the guy peace and happiness. Get on with your life and and. You know, and I and I think about Emily every day too. I think about Emily a lot, and um, so yeah, I'm glad it's over. I don't know if I ever want to be a juror again, but <laughs> it was quite an experience. Yeah. Well, I don't have. The, I know what you're saying about social media. I don't have the answer. I do have one answer: is that is that nobody should make a comment ever be permitted to make a comment without verification of who they are, their name, their agenda. But this anonymous bullshit, um, mm-hmm. going after people, not knowing the facts, not knowing. I mean, you sat there for eight days. You saw the evidence. Saw these, it all. These, these people didn't see squat. And um, Saw it all, took notes, and looked over my notes every night. You know, I studied it like taking an exam. Yeah. It was a big job to me, and I wanted to do it right. Well, you did a great job, and that's the problem with opinions. Everybody has one. But, uh, yeah, uh, Connie, thanks so much for coming here. I really appreciate it. Well, you. thanks for having me. Normally, this is the point in the podcast where we rant against the subject matter, but we did that with the Matt Moore episode. But I, I do want to point to Connie's title uh, of her Amazon uh, book review for Matt, which cannot be said uh, more clearly. Corruption, cops, courts, incompetency. And uh, as you heard from Connie, we heard uh, all that today. But more importantly today, I want to thank Connie for her courage in coming to our studio to really give us the inside baseball. She was passionate about the wrongdoing to Matt. She stepped up to take a stand, which I really admire. So no rant today, but rather thank you to Connie, and thank you for listening to Lawyers or Assholes. 
17 summers ago. 